Our Father and our God, we thank you that you're working your purpose out. It doesn't matter what the enemy has in store. You have already pronounced victory for your children. From strength to strength, the church will march on until the coming of the Lord. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. As this congregation of the righteous come today with thanksgiving in their hearts. And with offerings in their hearts and in their hands. Father, receive all that your children bring before you as sweet-smelling savor before you. Bless them superabundantly and eminently. Enlarge their coast. So as they proceed into the world, they will find in you great favor and great promise for the future. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to express my profound gratitude to this chaplaincy, especially our Father in the Lord, my dear brother, the Venerable Professor Sam Ike, for inviting me to come and share this moment of joy and thanksgiving with you. May God bless you all in Jesus' name. I also want to thank you because I learned that this congregation upheld my son in prayer when we had a tragic incident of attack on his life. He's doing very well to the glory of God and is healing very rapidly. And we say may God be glorified in Jesus' name. Brethren, Today is a special day, Harvest Thanksgiving. When we come to the Lord to express our gratitude, our thankfulness, our appreciation for what the Lord has done in our lives. God has been most gracious to us as children. And there is a reason for this stewardship. We as the people of God are called to be stewards of the possession of God given into our hands to take care of. When you look at our first lesson, you see so much built into the message there. It is from this passage that we get that very word of thanksgiving every time we have the Eucharistic service. Blessed are you, Lord God of all hosts, for everything is yours. All we have comes from you of your own, do we give you, to paraphrase. But there is one thing about King David. When you hear a man 
who is called a man after God's own heart, by God himself. There must be something special about him. When he had poured out his life to God, when he had poured out his heart to God, when he had poured out his offering to God, all he said was, Who am I, Lord, that I should be able to do this? Many of us gloat over the little things we do for God. We start talking about what we've done, our achievements in the Lord, all kinds of things that have happened, all kinds of efforts we are expending for the glory and kingdom of God. Not so with David. He would give the glory to God. There is a reason for this. Well, because we are called to be stewards. There is a basis. And the basis is that everything belongs to God. First, in Ezekiel 18.4 we read, All souls are mine. As the soul of the Father is, so is the soul of the Son. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The critical point here is, all souls are mine. In Psalm 50 verse 10, God says that all nature belongs to him. All the beasts of the field are his. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And he said, if I were not, if I were hungry, I would not even tell you, because everything belongs to me. In Haggai chapter 2 verse 8, we read that the silver and the gold belong to God. Gold and silver, the very measure of the monetary system in the world. God says it belongs to him. All these things we are there before man came on earth. When we now started converting the principles of gold and silver... To paper currency, you know what has become of it. A few years ago, when we came back newly to this country, the first time around, I sold the car we came back with, bought a brand new car, put air conditioner in it. At that time, Volkswagen was selling for 2,900 Naira. I'm sure our children here don't know what I'm talking about. One car, Peugeot 504, was 6,800 Naira SR, air-conditioned, heavy-duty, 6,000 Naira, 6,800 Naira. At that time, it was almost $2 for one Naira. I remember when we came back newly, we had some dollars, 1981, and a brother was kind enough to give us 1,000 Naira for $1,800. And we thanked him very well. 
You all know that that 1,000 naira, that used to be almost 2,000 US dollars, is now 400,000 naira. That is the way currency has gone. But God says nonetheless, I own all the silver and the gold. In Leviticus chapter 25 verse 23, he said, Land will not be sold forever because I own all the land in the world. That's why the government devised 99 years lease. After which land reverts to the original owner because it's an injunction by God. That every land on earth belongs to him. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 20. God says he is our life. He said he is your life. The man of God Moses had placed before the Israelites. I said before you this day. Good and evil, life and death. Choose good that you may live. Choose life that you may live. And depend upon the Lord your God, for he is your life. In Psalm 24 verse 1, we read that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everyone that dwells in it, and all the inhabitants of the earth, are the Lord's. Every one of us, no matter what we amass on earth, no matter how much land we grab, we are pathetic tenants before God. Because eventually, when He calls us home, we are given a dignified six feet as our possession. Whether you are a multi-billionaire, or a hundred there, you will get no more than six feet. If you're a little taller, they will put a little more space for you. But if the grave becomes too big, your Munna will say, this is not acceptable. We all get the same portion. Nobody goes with any land. An Akajako died and was being buried. Here in Ibo land. And as the people were digging the grave, a semi-lunatic was by the side. He called them. What are you people doing? And they told him, of course absent-mindedly, are you a stranger in this land? You don't know that Akajaku so and so has died. We are digging his grave. He kept quiet. And they continued digging. He asked again. And then they replied, but the final time he asked, when they were now rounding up the grave, they looked at him and said, we didn't know we were talking to a lunatic. He told them, only God in heaven knows who the lunatic is. This Akadiako, who has hundreds of plots and cars, you are digging this small grave for him. Where will he put all his cars and his houses? You say you know something. But the lunatic said a word of wisdom. When we die, we open our hands like this. 
to show the world we are going with nothing. When we come, sometimes our fists are clenched. I wouldn't forget when my second daughter was born. I happened to be there at the delivery room. It was by C-section. And they allowed me to take all photographs. And my second daughter came out with a black power salute. Clenched fist. I said, However, when any of us dies, our hands, our palms are open. We are telling the world, we are taking nothing back. And no matter how much our people love us, they won't put money in the casket. They need it to take care of themselves. What are the implications? In Exodus chapter 19 verse 5, the Lord says, You are my peculiar treasure. My peculiar treasure. In other words, we belong to him. Not only do we belong to him, we are his treasure whom he loves. What does that leave us with? Precious nothing. There is nothing we can do that he hasn't given us the capacity. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, he told the Israelites, be watchful, be careful, so that after I have blessed you in the land that you're going, that flows by milk and honey, and when you have eaten and become fat, you begin to gloat and say, my possession, my hands have gotten me this wealth. Never you say that, because it is the Lord your God that giveth thee the power to acquire wealth. Sometimes, I shake my head as I'm carried in the car. As I look at the sufferings of men. I see men who from morning till night, they use a hoe. They use a pick. They are doing hard labor. They are straining to earn minimum wage. Money that is not enough to buy a bag of rice in a month. They strain like that. And then I look at myself. You come out from an air-conditioned bedroom into an air-conditioned living room, into an air-conditioned car, into an air-conditioned office, everything air-conditioned. At the end of the month, you have more than enough to take care of yourself and your family. And I said, who am I? Why has God favored me? All of you here, why has God favored you? Is it because we are better than the rest of the world? No. It is by grace. It is the favor of God. But we should never abuse the privilege of his mercies and his compassion. In First Chronicles chapter 29, we see an overwhelming willingness of the people to give. Five times in this short passage, you hear the word will, offered willingly. Verse 6, last two words, offered willingly. 
verse 9, it says, Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly. Joy goes with giving. Giving from the heart. Giving from the depth of our being. Then it goes on to the next sentence, offered willingly, because with a loyal heart, they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. Willingly. You come to verse 14, he says, But who am I, David was saying, and who are my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? They gave, they gave, they gave. It became too much. They gave more than was needed. God made all the provisions. The art of giving is a grace of God. It comes from heaven. As we read in the second lesson. Then as we go down to verse 17. It says, as for me, in the uprightness of my heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And then he goes on to say, And now with joy I have seen your people who are present here offer willingly to you. One of the things that scares me most is to see preachers Servants of God, either begging, or forcing, or coercing, or intimidating the people of God to give. If you have to be coerced, or coerced, or forced, or intimidated to contribute to the work of God, you don't know the Lord. Now they hear me. If you knew him, you would know that the breath you have belongs to him. Somewhere, when we came back, returned the second time and for good in Nigeria, I think it was about 1988. In our scripture union group, we had a lovely sister. And all of a sudden, she got very sick. And when she got so sick, we did everything we could. She was rushed to the hospital. I went and donated blood. Some other brethren went and donated blood. Even my own driver went and donated blood. At a time, I had to call some of them. I'm sure maybe one or two of the doctors are here. I said, brethren, will our sister make it? They confided in me. They said, only a miracle can save her. We went into fasting and prayer. We went into dry fasting. We went into prayer vigil. She didn't get better. She became comatose. And I went to our brethren again and said, What do we do? They said, Since you, we are praying, all we can ask for, even to prolong her life for a few days, 
is to hook it on, hook her on to a long, heart-long machine. I said, how much is heart-long machine? They said, 6,000 naira every, I think it was 10,000 naira every six hours or so. Now, you can imagine what 10,000 naira could do then. You could buy a brand new car. Six hours. 10,000 naira. One day. 40,000 naira. To keep our sister's heart making boom, 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 boom. And the lung, even though she's on, on oxygen, inhaling and exhaling. If we had to keep her that way for one full month, you know how much that would have been. When you multiply 40 times 30 days, you know what it is? 1.2 million naira a month. If we had to keep her like that for one full year, 14.4 million naira. In the old naira, not the present one that is as good as toilet roll. 14.4 million. But look at you. Your heart is knocking boom, boom, boom. Your lung is doing boom, boom, boom. In today's currency, that would have been about a few million Hundred millions, I mean hundreds of millions. What of your kidney that does its job? Add that to the heart, to the lung. What of the liver that you can call the general processor? Add that to what God keeps working in your life. What about the brain that keeps you going? That decides a lot of things and controls the entire central nervous system. What about the central nervous system itself? What about your motor vehicles? Your hands? Your feet? Your alimentary canal? Everything? All of them free of charge. You know, knock engine. God made them the work. You don't need a machine to keep them going. Are you not a billionaire? Think about it. What God does, any human being walking on the road is a miracle. But we often take this for granted. Our sister eventually went to be with the Lord. We thank God for the testimony she left behind. Now let's consider the second reading. There's something very special about this. And for those who are good at semantics and who understand the use of word, who are wordsmith or wordsmiths, consider this. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God Bestowed on the churches in Macedonia. That in a great trial of affliction. 
the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. I'm sure that Ethelings looking at this would say, whoever coined this verse must be out of his mind. This is the epitome of irony. How can you be talking about great trial, great affliction, and yet abundance of joy? That is what the Bible, the Word of God says to those who are givers. They were suffering. They didn't say Chimebuem or Katamunjo. Look at all of you. All of you. Your faces are shining. Then say right now, 22,000 naira bag. You know they show for on our face, so. God, they rob you oil. Proper, proper. Blessings that you cannot count. If inflation goes 1,000%, he will give you your daily bread in the name of Jesus. You will not lack. That's his promise. This is the irony. Irony at its best. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in riches of their liberality. They could well have considered themselves the poorest of the poor, the most dejected, forgotten, forsaken. They didn't. They begged the Apostle Paul, we have an offering we are making contribution. Please send Titus to come and carry this offering. Poor people, wretched people, miserable people, they have no money in their pockets. That reminds me of an elderly woman. Many years ago, in those days in the village, at the beginning of every year, this woman will check all the chicken, the cockerel that are delivered from their eggs, hatched. As they were growing, she will pick one that she thinks has the best promise. And she will continually favor this one. They go outside and feed, but anytime she will corner this one and pour food for this cockerel. When people ask her, why is this one favorite? Also, no, cook or Jesus. Uncle Jenny Thanksgiving. She didn't have much. But the best chicken must be prepared for Jesus. The best chicken must be fed fat. So that as she comes and knows that the Lord loveth a cheerful giver, as she presents it, loads of blessing will descend upon her head. She knew that much. Do we do that? Do we remember? Irony at its best. Great trial of affliction. Yet, 
having abundance of joy. Many of us get so easily dejected when trials come. Temptations, all kinds of pressures, stress or stressing or stressful situations. We begin to look as if God had forsaken us. It says they had deep poverty, abject penury, yet they abounded in the riches of their liberality. They were ready to give everything, like the widow. When everybody was going and giving and giving, and this woman gave a very tiny coin, Jesus said she gave the most. Because after that, she had nothing left. Some of us give out of our convenience. God demands a sacrifice that costs us something. Some of us give out of our what, what I call spiritual penury. We don't even understand the power of God over our possession or over our wealth. God is the one who gives us the grace to give. It says, freely willing, and they gave beyond their ability. That is, if you went on to verse 5, it says, and not only as we had hoped, but they gave themselves to the Lord first, and then to us by the will of God. Verse 7, but as you abound in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. And that is the grace of giving. Verse 3 has said, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Freely willing to give. I praise God for the chapel of his resurrection. You know, most of our congregations, we have um, children's harvest, then next month, youth harvest, the next month, women's harvest, the next month, men's harvest, the next month, general harvest. As if we harvest that way, then the next thing, I'll send my wife. And when she has finished harvesting, I will then go and harvest. And then finally, all of us will go together to do it. I remember the time I took my children to my farm to harvest with me. Because one of my daughters, uh, we just returned to Nigeria the first time, and they asked in school, in a nature study class or so, you know, fill in the gaps. With this, that, they wrote, we pluck, dig, and then they put cassava. We pluck, dig, and then they put corn. My daughter joyfully wrote, we pluck cassava, we dig corn. So I decided to take them to the farm to see how corn comes. 
and how cassava is dug. You don't dig corn. You don't pluck cassava. So that was a good lesson. We did it as a family. I admire the candor of the chapel. I do pray and hope that the rest of us will emulate your congregation in Jesus' name. Many months, many years ago, I remember decades actually, in those days they have about 20 something groups that come to give thanksgiving. One man changed here. In those days, 20 naira was a huge amount of money. Who changed here 20 naira? Oh, 20 naira caught a bullying Jesus. Where Batazia, where Funa, and where 13 groups he belonged to. At the end of the day, we have seven naira, we have In other words, Oji change now, okay, twenty naira. May it not be so with us in Jesus' name. There is another aspect to giving. Some of the greatest givers in the world are the richest men. Vanderbilt family. You know, Vanderbilt University is named after the, you know, admiral, their progeny. Um, they are forebears, rather. He was a man who trusted God. The companies they established were made to pay tight every year. And his grandson ended up sacking the president of a company for forgetting to pay tithe to the house of God. That's how important it is. There is corporate tax, but he made corporate tithes also mandatory. We look at Lotono of Longview, Texas, who owns Lotono University. We know how he started when they prevailed on me to give 10%, he started progressing 20%. God kept blessing him 30%, 80% until he was giving away 90% of his income and the remaining 10% still made him a multi-millionaire. They are givers. Everywhere you see them. J.C. Penney was asked, when will you stop giving? And he said, until God stops giving me. Will God ever stop giving his own? But God is looking for an open channel. Some people get all they can and can all they get. But when you have an open channel, as the blessing is coming in from one end, and you are making it move faster, God will make sure it continues per second per second. But if you can the blessing of God, then you are finished. Because there's no point. That's why Second Corinthians 9.6 gave us rules of sowing and reaping. He said, he, verse 6, He who sows sparingly will reap how? Sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap how? Bountifully. He says, give, not grudgingly. We've read chapter 8. We also go back to First Chronicles 29. Freely 
offering themselves, their gifts, their wares, their possessions unto God. Freely, not grudgingly. And then it ended by saying, for God loveth a cheerful giver. That cheerful there actually is a hilarious giver. As you're coming, there is an overwhelming, overflowing joy in your heart as you bring your presence to the Lord. God loveth a cheerful giver. Philippians 4.19 tells us, My God shall supply all your needs. According to what? His riches. We are in glory by Christ Jesus. That text is often taken out of context. It's not for everyone. Read the preceding verses. It is for a congregation that overflowing, with overflowing heart, had given to the necessity of the church and the saints. And in return, they got the promise, the word, that God will meet every one of their needs, not from his riches, but according to, that is proportionate to, his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Many decades ago, almost a century ago, a young lady who was blind and a Christian in France, Paris, at a time called one of the church members and asked her, how much do you spend on paraffin oil? Or oil to get a lantern going all night in your house. They told her. They didn't know why she asked. At the end of the year, this woman stunned the whole church by giving a gift which was disproportionate. To her earnings. And what she had. And when they asked her. She said. All of you use lanterns. I am blind. I don't need one. So the money I would have used for lanterns. I kept keeping them every day. And until the end of the year. I bring all of them. And present to the Lord Jesus Christ. Her disadvantage. Became a point of honor. A point of glory. A point of glorifying God. Because she had a good heart. A willing heart. A joyful heart. Not like what happened in church. I won't say the congregation. But up when I pulled in sign. A boy was given one naira note. And ten cover. During offering. And his father said, put anyone you like. So, when they brought the offering plate, they brought to the father and he put. And when they brought it to the kid, Junior, he was just searching his pocket, he brought the coin and put it in there. 
the father was so dismayed. At the end, he asked him, son, I gave you one naira, and I gave you ten cobbles. Why did you give God the small one? He said, no. The pastor said, the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. I felt more cheerful giving one ten cobbles than I would have given one naira. So according to him, his cheerfulness was ten cobbles cheerfulness. For pocketing one naira. May we not reason like that in Jesus' name. Can any one of us here outgive God? Not one. Not one. God gives. But to these people, he said, they first gave themselves. If you don't give yourself, you cannot give to God. If you don't, first of all, hand over your being, you are not going to hand over your substance to the Lord. I would like to close with a text that I've always appreciated. Let's turn to Second Samuel chapter 24. Second Samuel 24. Something happened in the land. Let me paraphrase instead of reading the whole thing. There was a plague in the land. And David was so incensed, so repentant, he went to the Lord and pleaded for forgiveness. And then the prince told him, you must make an offering to the Lord in order to stop the plague. Because God was angry, he was numbering the people, and God didn't like that. So thousands of people had already died because of one man's mistake. And so, David decided to go and visit Arauna, who had a threshing floor. He had cattle, he had oxen, he had everything needed to make a sacrifice to appease God. I will start from there. Verse 21 of Second Samuel 24. Then Arauna said, Why has my lord, the king, come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Brethren, this was the man after God's own heart. The king of all the land, he could tell Arana. Prepare everything. I will come and use your threshing floor and everything. And I will go. I will perform the sacrifice for the glory of God. He didn't. He said, I've come to buy it. Because I want to appease my God. Now listen to the response. Now, Arona said to David, Let my Lord, the king... Take the off, take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for bond sacrifice and threshing instruments and the yokes of oxen for wood. All this, O king, Arona has given to the king. And Arona said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. 
He donated everything. He gave everything David needed for the sacrifice. The typical Igbo man would have said, Hmm, my friend told me, No, can be Father I'm David could have easily said, Thank you, Arana. I will make you all know who in my kingdom. He said, No. Listen to David. Then the king said to Arana, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer bond offering to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. Hallelujah. How many of us are in the habit of offering to God what costs us nothing? How many of us will today bring Harvest Thanksgiving purse, check, money, whatever that is out of our convenience but not sacrificially. How many of us will insult God by doing so? Not counting the sons and daughters he's given to us. Not counting the life he's given to us. Not counting the favors he's shown us. Not counting the acumen he's given to us to acquire wealth. Some of us, anything we touch, God prospers. Anything we lay our hands on, God blesses. How do we show him our gratitude? Do we wait until calamity befalls us? Sometimes we never come to thank God. We wait until there is an accident. We come and declare surplus. We wait until we go for admission and have surgery. Then we come and declare surplus. We wait until a calamity befalls us. Then we come and give God even a pittance and then use the rest of the money to feed the populace. Whereas we need to give everything to God. Dare we offend God? If you are not ready, come and give what you have, but put a small note. I will make it up. God will accept it. Because today, there will be showers of blessings in Jesus' name. Don't stop your own. David said, I will not offer unto the Lord my God a sacrifice that cost me nothing. I wouldn't dare to give God something that has not touched me. That I can say, hey, it's not easy, but I'm giving it anyway to the glory of God. That's why we can call this man over and over again. A man after God's own heart. Which name God also gave him. But we must remember that God who loves us has promised and given us so much. Some of us are overblessed. Show it by your giving. Living by every word of God is the theme for this year. Are you living by God's word? 
And this we have proclaimed this morning is God's word. God said, give and it shall be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over, shall men pour into your bosom. The ironic blessing was given to the congregation after they had brought their offerings. And then Aaron will lift up his hands and say, The Lord will bless you and keep you. The Lord will make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord will lift up his glorious countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. That's the ironic blessing. It goes with giving. You don't come to the presence of the Lord with an empty hand or empty heart. You come with a bountiful heart and a bountiful hand. God expects that of you. God demands that of you. And God will accept nothing less. It is time to do the will of God. Let's rise for the word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your children. Thank you for this Thanksgiving day. May your word ginger up, stimulate, inspire your children. So that from the depths of their hearts, as they pour out their hearts and lives in gratitude to you, they will also pour out their resources to you in abundance to attract your blessings. And as they give, Lord, we curse the devourer. Whether it be canker worms of life, or palmer worms of life, or caterpillars of life, or locusts of life, whatever they have stolen, whatever they have devoured, in the families, in the lives, in the businesses, in the professions, in the academics of your children, we hereby restore a hundredfold in the name of Jesus. Children of God, it shall be well with you in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that your glory shall rest upon your children. As they come before you, receive them with joy and gladness. So that their offerings will be unto you a sweet-smelling servant. Believing that you've granted our request. And that you will do phenomenally beyond and above what we've sought for or prayed for or are wishing for. Say may all glory and honor and dominion and power and majesty and might and adoration and praise and thanksgiving be ascribed unto your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And all the saints of God shall say, Amen. Amen.